Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin. Another edition of Cavs Bog Podcast, uh, first podcast of 2016, the year that I'm going to call the year of the Cavalier. Let's hope. Um, got with me uh, two Cavs Blog stalwarts, uh, Evil Genius and Tom Pestak. As per last weekend, we're going to try and uh, in the new years, our new year, our resolution is to get these to you a little more frequently. So uh, hopefully, it's the first of uh, quite a few weekly podcasts. But uh, we'll see how we do. Uh, how was your New Year's, gentlemen? Excellent. Good. Can't complain. <laughs> you do any wild partying? Are you kidding me? I had two sick kids. <laughs> we. <laughs> I was up very late. I can tell you that. But no, I don't. I don't do New Year's anymore. I don't even watch the ball drop or anything. It's just wow. A, it's just another day. Yeah. <laughs> I That's heard pretty hard. That's pretty hardcore. No, not I heard ball drop. I heard when the firewalk fireworks went off outside and um, yeah, it's just, uh, it's kind of weird. I mean, it's, it's my wife's birthday is new year's yeah. Eve. And so, you know, usually we're trying to do something nice, but this year because the kids were sick, we just uh, hunkered down. <laughs> I made the mistake of going bowling and we, it was a four game series and we didn't even finish the second series till right before the ball dropped. And it was like, oh, it's going to be a long night. And it was just, it was a long, kind of miserable night. Wow. Basically, moral of the story, I'm old. So, <laughs> but I, hard, did get a, I did get a new bowling ball for Christmas. So, my first bowling ball. Nice. There we go. Wow, you're really getting into it. What's, I, your, what's your average, Nate? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I, have to look at I was going to say, usually, usually when you get your own bowling ball, that means you're. Yeah, well, you're, I feel as if I need a like, ball to start computing an average. Now that I have a ball, I feel like the average will be a legit reflection of my day to day bowling. Oh, okay. You, the the uh, the equipment was holding you back, right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, if that's not the case, maybe some 
shoes and one of those fancy bowling gloves. It's the great sure. lie that the golf industry has profited off of. <laughs> <laughs> Your equipment is holding you back. <laughs> yes. So anyway, uh, I'm sure now that we've tuned off all the non-true Cavs of Blog fans, uh, we can talk Cavs. <laughs> and uh, the big uh, topic this week, after a rough end of last week, was the Cavs uh, won three in a row, took the back half of their uh, road trip against uh, the Suns and the Nuggets, and then also took uh, a very convincing win against the Magic on Saturday night, uh, which who were the hottest team in December in the East. So, uh, and all three fairly convincing wire to wire wins. Uh, and, and the biggest story of the whole thing, LeBron James shot, is it back? Is his jump shot back Tom? Well, I'll tell you what, it may have hit rock bottom in that Portland game. <laughs> it really uh, may have. So I guess it's back from that at least. Uh, but yeah, I think, you know, mechanics aren't everything. A lot of shooting is just touch and comfort and rhythm, but LeBron's mechanics are so bad that it was obviously hurting him. He wasn't getting any lift, and <clears throat> he was kind of throwing up sidewinders, as AC would call them, <laughs> um, leaning, you know, leaning really badly off his left foot, just kind of, kind of loading up on the left foot too, like not really even loading up um, in a nice balanced. Stance. And I know Ben kind of pointed that out in the recap of that Portland game. Poor guy had to recap that game. But uh, yeah, I mean, he he's still uh, he's still not a good outside shooter. Um, but despite and, the four for seven uh, well, against Orlando, but yeah, I mean, I, I, at this at this stage of his career, I'm not a big fan of LeBron shooting seven threes a game, but. Um, he had a lot of good open looks in that game. Yeah, that was I am I am fine with LeBron shooting wide open catch and shoot threes. Yeah, I mean and that's what he and that was that was a majority of those those yeah, seven shots. He, he had at least four of those. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I mean, I, I hope so. I mean, I LeBron had a pretty decent outside jump shot. I thought when he was in Miami. Yeah, and, and they even, ran, they got him a lot of wide open catch and shoot threes. Um, yeah, but just his his whole mid range game seemed a little bit more um, comfortable. Uh, yeah. You know, he's actually looked about as bad as I've ever seen him. He has been as bad as we've ever seen him through the shooting the, shooting the ball. Now that said, yeah. I have seen other things from him that have looked really good this year. Uh, his left hand, I don't think, has ever looked better as a finisher. Yeah, yeah, and just uh, he's got a bunch of different finishing moves now that he didn't used to have. I mean, that one is where he's kind of, yeah, he's flying. like, he's like mortal Kombat extreme edition. Now <laughs> finish him. Yeah. Fatality. yeah. So he, he's added some things to his arsenal around the basket. And I think that is probably yeah. um, just a response to the fact that he can't just dunk over people all the time anymore. Although he did have that great dunk over Fournier, which with the left hand, which was amazing. No, that was the right hand. That was the right hand. That's right. It wasn't the right. left hand dunk was Mozgov threw down a lefty facial. Oh, on, on Vucevic. That's yeah. right. That was yeah. fierce. And we, we'll get into that a little bit more later. Um, what I've noticed, and you talk about that, that left foot thing. I think a lot of that came from, where he was playing off the block and planning for those just 
really over-exaggerated fadeaways that mm-hmm. he likes to do. And I think it really got into his, just his regular jump shot mechanics. And yeah. I saw as that game went on against Orlando that his jump shot got a lot more compact and his mechanics started to look better and his general uh, release started look quicker and better. And so hopefully that's a sign of things to come. And one of the things I talked about in that uh, Orlando game was how putting LeBron on the floor with Delhi and Tristan and pretty much anybody on the floor with Delhi and Tristan has started to become a real boon to the outside shooters because teams are committing three guys to stop that lob pick and roll. And yeah. so it's just leaving the shooters wide open. And LeBron had a – he had a three on the right wing that he caught. And I'm, I haven't seen LeBron that open in probably 10 years. There was no one within 15 feet of him. Uh, and, and that was really impressive. Uh, so, so hopefully there's more of that to come. And the other thing is LeBron, he even passed up a heat check, which amazed me because <laughs> he'd made That's two right. jumpers in a row and he came up the left wing and he got double teamed. You could tell he wanted to do it, wanted to do it. And he didn't do it. And Delhi shot a three, which was open. It was a good shot, but he missed it. Uh, but it was like, wow, LeBron passed up the impossible heat check. I, Maybe he's maybe he's learned. I don't know. A sign of growth. A sign of growth. So there you go. And <laughs> and not to say LeBron isn't, you know, among the best players in the world. I'm I'm not convinced he's any longer the best player in the world. But uh, that that that's an argument for another time. Um, but yeah, he looked he looked really good. Anything you noticed, EG? Yeah, I, what I liked was I felt like, and it, and again, I don't. I don't know that it was it was completely this, but I liked how LeBron seems to play inside out. You know, I mean, he it definitely like seems to get himself going on the inside now, and then you know, and it opens up his his outside game, and and he you know he he definitely moved without the ball a lot more in the Orlando game, which is always a good thing. And he seemed, I don't know, he seemed really energetic after a few days off, and and uh, I don't know. I mean, they they say that the Cavs just have Orlando's number. I think there's a reason why, you know, their Orlando's three worst losses this year have been to the Cavs. And I yeah. Think I mean, they just, I, everybody talks about how good Orlando looked in December and I'm like, I'm not seeing him play a good game all season. And you think yeah. they're a bad team, but they, you know, they have a, a winning record. They're just, well, they were 19 and 14 coming into yeah, that game. They're and just, only like two and a half, three games out of first. Yeah. And, I I didn't really see anyone that looked good, but it's also was a scheduling win for the Cavs three nights off where the Orlando was coming off the back end of a back to back. And, and that, and that's hard to do. They're a young team, but they just didn't seem to be in it. And it, it seemed real analogous to the Portland game for the Cavs. Yeah. So, uh, so I, I didn't put a lot of stock in it as other than a nice tune up for the offense. Uh, a lot of guys, I thought played pretty well, uh, LeBron especially. Kyrie Irving was really changing directions well, and while his jumper wasn't quite there, everything else looked looked really in in form. And and Tristan Thompson is just becoming the guy that we saw in the playoffs again. Yeah, he's finally gotten back into shape. And Man, well, ball. and I think the starters' role has helped him too. Yeah, that that, that, that could be. But I mean, think but you think about it. I mean, he he really didn't have a training camp. No, you know? and, and who knows you know, how long he sat, just worried about getting hurt while he was in contract negotiations. So, 
So on a scale of one to 85 million, where would you put Tristan's value the last few games? <laughs> last few games, I'd say, I'd say it's at least, at least 75 million. Okay. Well, that, that's pretty good. We're getting up there. We're getting close. Right, here's a question for you guys. Who's been the third most valuable Cav through, you know, the last uh, week? Thir- 31 games. Oh, through 31 games. Or however many they've played. I think it's so hard to who, say. With who's one and two, out. Tom? I mean, LeBron and Kevin Love, that's your one and two? Right, correct. Okay. Hmm. Well, I mean, I've, I've got my answer, but. <laughs> we know your answer. <laughs> We know your answer. My answer is is Delhi through through until Kyrie Irving came back, and now that Kyrie Irving's back, Delhi's going back to the bench, and uh, and his minutes may not drop precipitously, but uh, but he was a third most important, just kind of for a continuity of effort and for running the offense and for being able to actually defend opposing point guards. So, yeah. uh, eg. Well, yeah, I mean, I think. Delhi was has been pretty fantastic filling in for for Kyrie, you know, being out injured, and I think you know with the with the three point percentage, with the uh, assist to turnover ratio, you know, a guy who I would say is at least in the running for it, and is going to be this will be a weird answer, but I think it's Jr. I think Jr. has played terrific this year for the I most think- part. I think he's had his moments. I don't know. He started off really poorly, and I I, I feel like there's been moments where Jr. was the best player or the at least the best shooter, like in the uh, Golden State game. But I think but his I, defense. I actually think his defense has gotten so much better this year. Yeah, I'm just I'm just not sure how effective his defense is. I admit that he's trying more and he's diving after loose balls. He's getting after it. Um, I'm just not sure. I mean, I, I've kind of looked through the numbers, and um, his numbers don't look very good. And he's never been a good defensive player. So, I don't know. I, I'm not sure about that one. I definitely would not say he's the third most important cap so far. But um, No, I would say – I just say he was, he'd be in the running for me, at least lately. Well, what's been interesting about JR is he just – created a floater in the off season because he never had that. I've never seen him do that before. And now yeah. I feel like I'm seeing it all the time where he drops these little teardrops in. And, and they usually go in. Yeah. That's they're crazy. pretty effective. They're pretty effective. Well, let's not oversell ourselves on uh, J.R. Smith's uh, finishing around the basket this year, because he is shooting 375 or 374 from yeah. the floor, which is, is not good. Um, yeah. One of the things that's real interesting about Jr. is, you know, I kind of was under the impression that he would be a bellwether for the Cavs, but the he actually shoots worse in Cavs wins than he does in Cavs losses, which is interesting. Um, 34% in wins, 37% in losses, but uh, he's shooting a lot more in uh, losses. Uh, he's yeah. got, 63 attempts in nine games in nine losses and 90 attempts in 18 wins. So it seems like on these losses, he's just kind of firing away. Um, so I don't know. I, I am not a hundred percent convinced that he is, I, I think he's a nice player to have, but I think he could, he definitely could play better and could shoot better. He seems 
he, he's one of those guys, he makes two, he's going to make the next four. But if he misses two, he's missing the next four, you know? So, well, uh, and I was reading today, I think it's only a matter of time uh, before uh, Iman Shumpert replaces him in the starting lineup. Yeah, I think so too. As Kyrie gets more healthy, they're kind of more natural running mates. Yeah, although it, throughout the entire season last year, it was it was uh, it was Jr. in the starting lineup. So yeah, or at least as long as he's been, it was after the trade. It was him throughout the entire starting lineup, throughout the entire rest of the season. Then it was Iman in the playoffs. They made the switch, right? Right. So. Uh, and and as far as that Orlando game, uh, everything was kind of all peaches for the Cavs, except for Tom. You pointed out they left 15 points on the board and missed free throws. Yeah, uh, Tristan Thompson, after a perfect game, I believe two nights ago in Phoenix, a couple games ago in Phoenix, um, was two and nine. He was he was pretty bad in that. Uh, I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but the Cavs left 15 points on the board, only shot uh, in the 60s for free throw percentage against Orlando. And the other really bad news was we saw the return of a, a player we didn't think we were getting, and that was Mopey Mo Williams, uh, <laughs> who Jeez. supposedly only showed up for the game six, an hour before tip-off, uh, kind of ticked off some of his teammates, and was, I guess, a little salty uh, was kind of mopey on the sideline and reportedly a little salty about not uh, getting many minutes and seeing his minutes cut by Matthew Delavadova. Uh, E.G., do you have anything to speak to on that? Well, I think I think um, you know Mo being Mo being mopey and and salty is not all that surprising to me because I think he. I think I think Mo is he's a passionate guy. He was a passionate guy when LeBron was here the first time, when LeBron left, and you know, and the, ultimately when he was you know sent to the what was it to the Clippers or wherever you know when when they made the trade. But I, look, I think I think it's all going to be it's it's really going to be up to Mo in practice, and I think it's going to be hard for him to get his minutes back because Blad is such a He's such a you know defensive defense first kind of a coach, and I think that he he wants the guys on the floor that are going to be able to run guys off the three point line and and keep guys out of you know from driving at will against the Cavs because that's where they really they can really get hurt. And I think um, you know obviously the the only way to really get your to get your minutes back is either through injury or through really showing out in practice. And I think Mo. Clearly, from even when he came into the game, like they, he got the the garbage time in the fourth, and the, f- the first thing he did was come in and take a shot, and take a three, and then take another shot. I mean, I think he shot eight times in the fourth quarter. So, you know, I mean, Mo's an offensive, an offensive minded guy. He's an offensive weapon. He, you know, there will be nights when this team needs that, and there will be nights when you know they they need somebody to hit a bucket off the bench, and he just needs to be ready. And I think. He would do himself a, a service to, you know, to, to, you know, really get, really kind of pick James Jones's brain for how to be effective being that kind of player if he's so inclined, but he may not be. And, you know, I think he probably thought watching the, he probably thought in the offseason, like, hey, I'm going to come back. It's going to be great. 
I'm going to give the Cavs just what they what they were lacking in the playoffs last year. But the problem is they have that. They just they they lost it with Kyrie being injured so much in the playoffs last year, and now that they've got Kyrie back starting, um, you know, Delhi's just a better alternative yeah. at at as a backup point guard given his defense and his passing ability. And, and I wrote on the comment board today. I said basically there comes a point in every player's career where they get surpassed by a younger player who's on the way up while they're on the way down, who's, who's hungrier, more motivated in better shape and just younger. And that's happened to Mo Williams this year. I don't think anybody saw Matthew Delavidova coming on as strong as he did, fixing so many holes in his game before uh, the season started. And Mo's disappointed about that. But if I'm a David Blatt, I sit him down. And I go, this is how we play. This is how much we've been outscored with you on the court. And we're plot positive with uh, Matthew Delavadova on the court. It's it's simple math for me to play him over you. Uh, you aren't just aren't as good of a defender, so you got to pick up that part of your game and you know be a leader when you are in and be a leader on the bench. And you know that's what I need from you. But you know maybe it took him a game to get used to that. But because he sounds like he clearly knew what his role was going to be when he came into the game. Um, and Jason Lloyd wrote a nice piece, uh, talking about that and talking about how, you know, Blatt's rotations, veterans like consistency in their minutes and know when they're going to play. And he talked about how, uh, Jefferson sitting against the Warriors didn't sit well with a lot of the veterans. Um, and so maybe Blatt is kind of telling these guys beforehand. And that's, that's why Mo, uh, was a little mopey. I don't know, Tom. Well, I think to the first point, if you look at the Cavs this season, um, people might not want to admit it, but but Delavadova has been by far and away the best backcourt player on the Cavs. If you look at all the two-man combinations by minutes and you rank them by um, points per one hundred points per one hundred possessions uh, net, so how much are the Cavs outscoring the other team per one hundred possessions? The top three are Delhi and LeBron, Delhi and TT, and Delhi and Caleb. So there's one thing in common with the top three, and it's Delhi. It's not LeBron and someone; it's Delhi and someone. And um, on the flip side, if you look at okay, what about the best two-man lineups by net points per 100? And by the way, those are 19.4, 19.1, and 18.3. 100 possessions is about one game. So what that's saying is effectively when Delhi's on the court, the Cavs are blowing other teams out so far this season. Um, contrast that with Mo Williams, who the number one player combination with Mo Williams is LeBron James. And it's 2.6 per 100 possessions. So 19.4, 19.1, 2.6. So Delhi and LeBron, 19.4. Mo Williams and LeBron 2.6, you know, and, and we've got over 400 minutes. I mean, this is, this is not like a tiny sample size thing. This passes the eye test. The numbers are here. Um, Caleb and Mo Williams is plus 1.4 in over 400 minutes. Wow. And then, and then that's it. And then, and then you go negative. And then Tristan Thompson and Mo Williams is like minus five. Whereas remember Delhi and Tristan Thompson was plus 19.1. So, I mean, Which is amazing because you look at two guys <laughs> who you would say, okay, these are both 
at least in terms of shooting, uh, especially inside the arc, below average players. Yeah, and Limit, limited, yeah. Limited, uh, but they have ma- managed to find an effective way to play that bends the defense and, and gets the rest of the team involved. And, you know, that's all you can ask for an offense. Well, and I think at the defensive end, I think Delhi, um, you know, just for 48 minutes is the Cavs' best defender. I'm not saying he's the best defender, you know, when you definitely need a stop. I'm saying the guy plays for 48 minutes. He never stops. Just his presence on the court makes it more difficult for the defense to operate in everything he does, the way he fights through screens, the way he chases guys off the three-point line, the way he knows how to shield defenders – his communication on defense, all that is just stellar. So and, and not he, to say that he's perfect, but one thing I've note about, noticed about him is he does not make the same mistake multiple times in a game. He may get beat on a backdoor play, or he may get beat by a guy, but then he adjusts on the next possession and kind of takes away that, whereas a lot of guys just keep getting beat the same way and, and never adjust. What's funny, I was – uh, last year, if you know, if Delhi had a, a four turnover game, I'd be like, well, you know, he's a backup, you know, guy that that you know wasn't drafted, and you know, and and he's a he's you know he can he can be helpful some nights, but some nights not so much. This couple of games ago, when he had the four turnovers, I was shocked. I was like looking at him like, how did how did that even happen? Like you know, because he's taken such good care of the ball this year, and and is such a he does see the floor so well and yeah. really make, he almost always seems to make the right pass. So that was yeah, kind of like the anomaly have, this year. Seems to be one of those guys that has a map in his head of where everybody is on his, on the court without even looking. Yeah. Um, which is a rare ability, but I didn't want to, we, we've talked enough about telly. Oh, oh, so I wanted to get to my, I wanted to get to my second point, And that was when you talked about Blatt. Um, I think that was a very poor decision by the coaching staff to run a short, you know, condensed rotation uh, in December against, I don't care who you play. I mean, the Cavs are deep, and the Cavs should use that depth. The coaching staff should, they should be playing a 10-man rotation every game and then blowouts, yeah, play Jared Cunningham and, you know, and I don't know, Sasha Khan if you want. But I think Richard Jefferson, Anderson Verjao, James Jones, Mo Williams – if those four guys are sort of like the the end of the bench guys, I think they should be playing every game. I think they still have something left in the tank. I've seen a lot of good things from Mo Williams this year. I've seen good things from Richard Jefferson this year. We've seen good things from James Jones. We've even seen good things from Barajal. I don't see the logic at all in shortening the rotation. I mean, especially I mean, the whole bit about players being frustrated, okay, whatever. I mean, I don't I don't know what's going on in the locker room. But just from a, what are you? Tr- what is your goal during the regular season? I, I can't. I keep thinking about this evil genius. It's like haunting my dreams. When you said the reason the Spurs and the Warriors are so good is because they have a system that they're they're dedicated to. The Cavs still don't have that. And I know right now. You know what though? I think they're getting it though. Well, maybe. But you know how they're going to get it if you can plug guys in and the system survives. I I agree. And now that they're they're healthy, I think it's coming. And you remember last year, things did not click until January 6th. And that's when they went 30 and three. 
Well, it's January fifteenth, and and part of sorry, and, and part of and part of the reason it clicked is because David Blatt furiously shortened his rotation, and he no longer put uh, Sean Marion or Mike Miller out there. But what I'm saying is, you've got a better, deeper bench this year, right? And, and you've gotten off to a better start. You're not like treading water at the five seed right now in the East with a, lot, a whole and bunch. And a lot of, of that's been because because he's got a better bench. Right. right. So well, don't... the other thing, these guys that he's are on the bench now between Shumpert and Mozgov and Delavadova, he's those are guys Blatt trusts in in pressure situations. So they're going to have a lot longer leash than Sean Marion did last year. Uh, even James Jones, who's not been that impressive this year, seems to have a much longer leash with Blatt than a guy like uh, like Mo Williams right now. So I do think a system is forming, and the fact that you've got three guys on the bench that are all used to playing starter-level roles is going to be – they're not going to give defenses and opposing offenses – any time to rest when the starters are on the bench, which is which is going to be huge for the Cavs. The only right. the only problem the only problem I see is that you know it can be a bit of a vicious cycle with with Blatt because I think he does tighten up. I think he probably more than anybody in the organization wanted to win that game in Golden State. Um, I agree with you. I, I think the players, you know, look, Amon said he was salty and. And Le, you know LeBron did the hey we're it's just another game and they you know they all treated it that way. I think Blatt out of everybody was the guy that was like I really want to win this game, which is why he I think shortened the rotation. But in shortening the rotation, as you said, like you do it in December and you're not and you're not playing you know ten eleven guys deep like the Warriors do. You you have this situation where you're. You know, you can't just be trying to win every game if you want to try to have balance up and down your lineup and have guys that are going to be ready once the time comes yeah. for them. Yeah, and I, I think you kind of throw out the Golden State game and the Portland game. They're they're aberrations in the yeah. regular season. I mean, I'm not saying Blatt's done a bad job. Actually, he has spread the minutes out pretty well this season. And, I mean, LeBron is under 36 minutes a game. Caleb's under 33. Uh, no other Cavs even playing 30. I just don't want them to get into this mindset that's like, okay, Kyrie's back, time to kick it into overdrive, and they go to like an eight-man rotation. I mean, I want to see like 12 guys playing every single game the way the Spurs do. I mean, the Spurs... Well, and if they're blowing teams out, you're going to see that. The Spurs have 12 guys on their team right now that have played over 200 minutes already this season. Um, The Cavs have... Actually, the Cavs also have 12 guys, so that's a good sign. Uh, <laughs> Tom, welcome to Cavs of Blog Podcast, where Tom argues with himself. No, I mean, I'm happy about that. Hey, the numbers yeah. don't lie, right? I mean, I, I'm looking it up, and it's like, oh, that's good to know. But, but like the Golden State game, right? It was this game with higher emotional stakes or whatever. And what did Blatt do? He 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 went outside of what he had been doing and played a really small rotation. And I just thought that was, that was really dumb um, to, to quote my favorite commenter Coles. <laughs> it was really <laughs> dumb. Um, so 
Yeah, I just want to see. I, so the whole especially, moment, and especially when guys were missing shots the way they were missing shots. Okay, I, I don't. So. I don't think Mo Williams should be mopey because I don't think Mo Williams should really be having his minutes cut that drastically. I think he should still be playing fifteen to twenty minutes a game. I think, um, you know, I think you can limit all of these guys. I don't think Kyrie once he's healthy needs to play thirty five minutes. I think he can play thirty. I think everyone can substitute, you know, three to five minutes of what they would maybe be doing. Um, in the playoffs, you know, in a game where you just, well, we're not going to put Mo in because he's not that good of a defender. But I mean, it's, it's, the re- it's the regular season. They can afford to but play. Part of it but if like- Tom, but Tom if, if, if he's playing, let's just say Kyrie's playing 30 minutes a game and Delhi's playing, what? Delhi's going to play 30, so, or at least 25. So yeah, probably 25. What- I don't think you're going to find 15 to 20 minutes a night from Mo Williams. I think it's going to yeah. still wind up being like, you know, like between five and 10. Yeah. So I, I mean, and we're taking only a long way around to get back to the obvious question. Uh, is, is Mo Williams, is the mopiness going to stay? Uh, is he going to contribute or is this going to be a problem moving forward? Tom? Well, I would hope I would hope it's not a problem. I mean, and this is a thirty-second answer, okay, not a five-minute answer. I don't think it's going to be a problem. I mean, I think last year, you know, Marion and those guys were unhappy, and the Cavs went to the finals and won two games. I don't think it's going to affect morale. I mean, it might affect Mo Williams. He might be um, more frustrated when he comes into games, but um, maybe you can channel that. Yeah, I mean, I, what I'd like to see them do, if they're upset about it, then play better in practice. And then when, you, when you're in at garbage time, play well. And you'll earn some minutes back. It's, it's pretty simple. I mean, I think I heard a quote the other day. Um, maybe it was a couple weeks ago. They were interviewing Mo. So, so you're saying you're the anti-Allen Iverson. <laughs> yeah. you, you, you put practice on a pedal still. I do. I do. But Tom's right. Like, if Mo came in and ran the offense – Instead yeah, of just true. trying to go one on one and jack up as many shots as he possibly could, just to say, "See, I, I, you guys should have me shoot in there earlier shooting." That I mean, it's the wrong approach. Like, go in, run the offense, make good things happen. You know, like like find find that flow, and that's gonna that's gonna do a whole lot more to get him more minutes than than anything other than you know the practice time. Yeah. So uh, we interrupted you, Tom. Did you want to fin- finish that thought? No, I don't. I think that um, Mo has some skills that neither Delhi nor Jr. nor Iman Shumpert have, and so in certain situations, um, you may want him in there. And no one else on the Cavs has mastered the Kraken yet. I don't know why. Every time Mo does, LeBron ran the Kraken last night for uh, for Tristan Thompson. What do you mean he ran? Oh, LeBron went baseline. LeBron went baseline. And, well, that's uh, not the Kraken. That's like okay. that's like the squid. The Kraken <laughs> is when LeBron is getting released. So I see. I see how it is. And Mo still runs that play to perfection. And I mean, he's a great free throw shooter. The game we were at, Nate, against the Nets, when Brooke Lopez was just going off, Mo was the only offense the Cavs had in the first quarter. You know, so I mean, there's a there's a place for him. I, I his defense is is really bad, especially contrasted with with Delhi. But um, you know, I'm glad he's on the team, and I think 
I think David Blatt could could keep the peace by doing what I say, which is go very deep into his bench okay. every game. Win okay. or lose. So speaking of the deep bench, um, I got to change the subject. Uh, one of the things we want to talk about tonight was uh, Amon Shumpert and how he has kind of uh, sparked the Cavs' defense since his return. Uh, there's been a uh, precipitous uh, uptick in the Cavs' defense uh, since he returned. Uh, I think they've moved up in almost every defensive category uh, since we heard from Tom for the last 10 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, EG, you want to talk about that? Is it Iman? Uh, in particular, or are all the Cavs playing better? What's going on? I feel like I feel like they're all playing better, but I do feel like Iman gives them definitely gives them that spark off the bench. He he's got such quick hands, and and really, I mean, he's, he can he doesn't always get the, the credit for the steal, but he but a lot of times he's 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 disrupting the dribble or disrupting somebody from getting a basket and ultimately, you know, the team picks it back up and takes it to the other end. I think having him on there, I think weirdly having him on out there. And maybe that's why I said the JR thing earlier. I feel like JR plays better when Iman's back and healthy. I feel like, you know, they, there's sort of that, you know, they, they, they were in New York together and, and now they kind of feed off each other when they, when they're out there together. Um, and I, I, I think, I think there's been definitely an increase in the in the perimeter defense, and I, I think that now that now the Cavs just need to work on getting Maz rehabilitated and and get the getting the the internal defense going a little bit stronger. Yeah, and Amon's uh, return has sparked the Cavs from going 13th in defensive rating to fifth in defensive rating and 17th in defensive field goal percentage to ninth in defensive field goal percentage, which which are both pretty, you know, you're jumping a third of the NBA there. Yeah. It's a pretty telling stat. Yeah. yeah. Nate, that is awesome. Did you look that up right now? Because I didn't hear any tappity-tapping on your keyboard. <laughs> I'm, I'm in stealth mode on the keyboard. <laughs> oh, man, I've got these, like, um, cherry blue keys. They're so loud. You got the clicky key. I got the clicky keys, man. Yeah, so if I tried looking up those splits, I would annoy the heck out of you guys. You're cracking me up tonight, Tom. So, I mean, on uh, LeBron, or on Shumpert, uh, I mean, we've talked about... On Dancer. On Dancer. The guy might be the best in the NBA at stripping the ball down low. Uh, yeah, who was it that said, or at the rim or in transition? I mean, <clears throat> can you think of anyone better, Tom? I I don't. I mean, I remember a team that was really good at it, and it was the Pistons of the mid two thousands. All those yeah. guys had quick hands, and they yeah. would just you'd blow by them, and they just strip the ball right out of your hands. Yeah. Between Chauncey Billups, Rip Hamilton, um, Ben Wallace, all those Tayshon, guys. Yep. Tayshon, yeah. Oh, Tayshon, all those guys. Had, oh, it's Chris Weber, all those guys had quick hands. And um, But, yeah, I think Shumpert, he's long. Um, and if he does, if someone does kind of get a step on him, he is remarkable at turning a would-be, you know, finish or and one into a run out the other way. It's, it's, uh, yeah. it's, it's like two you know, possessions all rolled into one. Well, and let's, let's talk about the other thing that really coincided with him was, uh, I'm sorry, Tristan Thompson in the starting lineup Mm. is the other part of that equation. And, and we've all talked about Timo's defensive 
just kind of his lackluster first third of the season. Uh, Tristan Thompson in shape, playing much better defense, can switch the pick and roll. Uh, not the shot blocker that Timo is, but much better at disrupting the offense, being in the right position, uh, trapping the pick and roll, switching on the pick and roll. They don't only have to ice now, uh, which which Ben pointed out uh, with with Tristan Thompson. So that's a that's a huge uh, plus as well. The other thing is uh, Timofey Mozgov's move to the bench has really allowed him to become more more aggressive both offensively and defensively. One of the things that I was, you know, one of my buddies that I watched the games with uh, is not a uh, longtime basketball fan. One of the things I explained to him was when you've got a guy who moves to the bench and they don't have to worry about foul trouble, like a starter might, especially a big man, that just allows them to be much, much more aggressive defensively. Kind of, kind of like Henson in Milwaukee, they can just go crazy for the shot blocks and 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 be really aggressive defensively and not have to worry about fouling out uh, because they know the starters, you know, right back there. And I've seen that on both sides of the ball from Mozgov, um, especially you know he's had some really nice games with the blocks. Uh, it, what have you noticed about Mozgov, uh, Eg? Well, I definitely feel like Mozgov's gotten uh, gotten an emotional boost going to the bench. And, you know, look, it's it's. I don't think it doesn't feel like he's taken it as a demotion so much as he's taken it as a little bit of a relief to be able to to come in against you know come again in against second team guys to to get his kind of get his way back into games. He look, it was his best game in a while against Orlando. I mean, you, he was out there you know dunking with with not only with authority, but with emotion. Um, he, he felt like, and, and it felt like he was out there a couple times with, with Kyrie too, who knows, I, I said this on the last podcast, like, I feel like Kyrie knows where to find Maz on the floor. And I also was really impressed with his, I mean, like his hands have been his, his, his uh, a bailiwick all year for him. And he had a really nice drop pass in the lane to LeBron, which is sort of an eye contact thing. And you know he 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 had oh, yeah, the, that was a beautiful, and that led to that monster LeBron dunk. Yeah, I mean that was almost it was Kraken esque. It wasn't quite, but, you know, <laughs> but it was it was it was great. And I would I, say I, it was Walton esque. Yeah, but I could see you. I could even see on LeBron's face like he didn't he didn't like like kind of go out of his way to like you know give Timo like the point at him or anything like that. But he 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 gave him a look, and it was it was a look of like like you're getting it, man. Like this was good. Like that that was the kind of. I think that's the kind of play that they expected from Timo. And I think, look, it's obviously a really small sample size with a couple of games off the bench, but he definitely seems more comfortable and more of his old self. The only thing I worry about a little bit is um, just with TT and, and on the TT side of thing with TT and love out there together, they, their, their spacing feels like they've, they've, their switching has been a little bit off underneath. And I feel like there's been some, some open, dunks and and uh cuts from from big men on on opposing teams the last couple of games since tt moved into the starting lineup just small thing I mean, obviously a small thing but i i do think that was i know that was- i have seen that a little bit but the other thing about uh thompson and love is they rebound so well that you can get away with two guys rebounding 
and LeBron just taking off. And they're, they're really exploiting that. I mean, you know, love, love had another touchdown pass to LeBron that game. Yep. Uh, Delhi's had some, I mean, LeBron on the defensive rebounds just off like a shot now. And he doesn't have to crash the boards on defense, which just speeds up their whole offense. Um, so it's, it's a really nice, they're a really nice one, two duo on the boards and they've kind of figured out a way to space themselves, at least rebounding wise, maybe not contesting shots wise or rotation wise, but I tell you what, in the first quarter of that Orlando game, Cleveland's defensive rotations look as sharp as I saw them all year. I mean, they were double teaming down low or trapping the ball and the other three guys were instantaneously uh, or the, yeah, instantaneously moving around to, to the other four magic players. And it was really sharp. I mean, it was like back when they were in the playoffs last year. So yeah, it, looked, it looked really good that I think from a defensive communication standpoint, it's, it's getting better and better. So we, we'll kind of see how that keeps going, but I'm loving the board work from, uh, from Tristan and, and uh, Kevin and, Preston Thompson's offensive rebounding against the Magic. You see that one where he saved it out of bounds. Oh yeah, I mean that was that was ridiculous. ridiculous. That was yeah, that, that was sweet. And that I ended up with the that's Rodman-esque. one that ended up with the Delhi Trey, right? Yeah, that was Rodman esque. So, yeah. so yeah, that's I mean, why. That's why you look. I mean, in all in all honesty, it's probably between him and Delhi for the third most important cab to this point because yeah, as great as as great as Delhi's been. With with what he what he brings, TT's offensive rebounding. I mean, you just see it like he's the ultimate yeah. eraser for for LeBron on uh, you know on offense. Which it's like if I, if yeah. he's going to miss a shot, chances are Tristan's going to grab the rebound. Well, and the other thing that Tristan has been doing is he has gotten a much better sense than he had earlier in his career of when to pull it out and just reset up the offense and when to go back up for a putback. Uh, he is not getting stuffed like he did early in his career when he would just go back for a putback with three guys on him and he would just get it rejected. Or even he, last last season in the regular season, he yeah. was getting it happened a lot. But yeah, you're right. He he doesn't seem to get stuffed nearly as much. And when he collects himself, he just he takes it up strong. Yeah, and part of that I believe is when you know the other team is going to look for you when you're open, you're a lot more likely to pass that out and set it back up. Mm. You know. So and the Cavs have been really good at moving the ball, especially when Delhi's in and uh, and LeBron has been finding him on dump offs too. He had two or three dunks off uh, dump offs from LeBron that last game. So he, he is going to have to improve his his uh, free throw percentage though. Otherwise, yeah. there's going to be a lot more Hacka Tristan's coming. Yeah, and, and the weird thing is, is I I don't know what to do on it. I mean, he just seems like he had that one game where he, he was six for six and then he fell off face of the earth again. I don't know if it's a confidence thing. It's what's going on. I mean, shooting's weird and everybody says, you know, if you just, if you just practice, you're going to get better. They, I, I don't think that's necessarily true for free throw shooting. Sometimes it's just a mental thing. Yeah. Well, it's also a lot of muscle memory. I think I noticed that even, you know, as TT wasn't a great free throw shooter, he improved every year his mechanics were really good after he switched to his right hand mm-hmm. and he took his time. He got his hand under the ball. You know, some guys rush yeah. it 
and their hands not totally under the ball before they release it. And so then they're kind of trying to hold on to the ball as they release it. And he had good arc. And so, you know, he was shooting mid 60%, I think. Now I notice he's rushing. It's a flatter shot. It looks like he doesn't have his hand under the ball all the time. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if he just needs to go back and watch videos of himself shooting. Probably. Last year when it was just, it just looked a lot better. But yeah. Yeah. It's kind of a mess. Yeah, and speaking of uh, so power forwards, one of the things that uh, we've been talking about a little bit is, well, and this is more of a general question, uh, the Cavs, as you see them right now, are they whole? Is this the team we're going to see in the playoffs? Uh, Do they need to make any moves, any moves you expect? I know uh, the name Markeith Morris was thrown around this weekend as as the Cavs being a possible destination for him. And incidentally, he's playing terrible. He has a 10 PER right now. And most people are saying that Phoenix is going to have to sweeten the pot to get rid of him. But anybody that any roster changes you want to see, Tom, uh, going forward for the Cavs? Well, I think it just depends on what they can get out of Moskov because without, without him playing like he did last year, they're definitely missing that, um, you know, guy that can protect the paint. Uh, run the floor, you know, throw down with authority. Um, I know the league is moving away from, you know, big lumbering centers, but that's the thing about TT. He's actually kind of quick. And, uh, you know, but if not, then, yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing the Cavs look at uh, someone that could fill that role of, uh, you know, blocking shots and just diving to the rim for alley-oops from, you know, whether it's Kyrie or Delhi or LeBron or whatever. Uh, I mean, I think they're pretty set. In but the do you think – I I don't know if there's a guy out there. Yeah, I don't know either. Not that's a guy only, that they can get with the, with the Brendan Haywood exception and Joe Harris. I mean, that's the yeah. only oh. that's the only sort of skill set of need that I can tell, unless they can just do some sort of major upgrade at, you know, um, shooting guard or backup small forward. I mean, other than that, I mean, you've got you've – got, two pretty good point guards and Kyrie and Delhi. Um, you know, you've got at least two, if not three shooting guards in uh, Shumpert Smith and Mo. And I'm, you know, I, I feel like that's an okay. Yeah. Uh, and all three trio. of them can play the, the three when LeBron yeah. bench. Well, I wouldn't say Mo Williams could, but the other oh, two. Yeah. Came. Sorry. Sorry. I thought you meant, <coughs> I thought you said Jr. But, yeah, but yeah. Jr. Jr. Shumpert and Mo. So, yeah, I would just say, I mean, like I said, if they could do some kind of major upgrade at maybe shooting guard um, or someone a lot better than Richard Jefferson to spell LeBron. But really the only starter that I feel like, you know, I think the Cavs are weak at center if TT's starting and, and Moskov's just a shell of what we saw last year. Uh, do, do you – I'll ask you, uh, evil genius, uh, Markeith Morris. Uh, is he somebody you're interested in? Uh, not really. Not really. I, I, I mean, I've, I've watched Markeith play, uh, and I've seen some of the antics that have, that have happened with him this year. Like, you know, I, I think for, for if we're already talking about guys getting, getting salty, play, being on the bench, not playing minutes, I mean, how many minutes would Markeith Morris realistically see on this team? You know what I mean? Like, I, 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 feel, like, I feel like this is the team. I feel like this is the team probably for the duration. I could see them picking, maybe picking up uh, 
you know, like a Kendrick Perkins type enforcer, uh, you know, in the, in, you know, some vet that wants to sign for the minimum, you know, in the second half. But yeah, I, I think the other problem is, is, is that, and this is coming up with the, you know, with the, the Cunningham decision too, which yeah. is the Cunningham decision ostensibly costs $900,000 to guarantee his contract. Yet it cost Dan Gilbert almost $4 million in the salary cap in the penalty, you know, with the penalty. So, I mean, it's not just a, you know, an under million dollar decision. It's a $4 million decision, which I think he'll probably go ahead and, and, and say yes to and find a way to, to dump off Joe Harris somewhere. That's my, my prevailing opinion anyways. But I think if you're going to bring any piece into this mix, it's gotta, it, it better be worth, you know, spending, I mean, Markeith Morris's salary, I think it's about seven million and change. Seven million, but I think wouldn't that wouldn't uh, that result? It, it in equates life? out to about thirty-two to thirty-four million uh, if they don't dump anybody in conjunction with adding him. Uh, yeah, because you got to pay like four times what his salary is in luxury tax payments. Yeah, and, and I mean, you can expensive. say you can say, hey, if it if it's that one last piece that gets you a, a championship, then it's worth it. But yeah, we but, can, uh, to me, that guy is not Markeith Morris. No, I, he is a more he does everything Kevin Love does and not as well. And he's you know, you've already got one knucklehead on your team borderline in, in Jr. You, you can't have another one. So yeah. I, I you could get, if you could get an Ed Davis or a Bismack Biombo, Sure. But oh, you're yeah, not going to get absolutely. the other problem with the NBA right now and trades is I think there's all but like four or five teams that have realistic shots at the playoffs right now. I mean, in the West, you know, there's a, a hand, several teams that are right out of the playoffs. Um, and then the same thing in the East. I mean, you're, you're going to see most of the playoff races in both conferences go right down to the wire. I mean, the Knicks are 16 and 19 and only, you know, three games out of a playoff spot. Yeah. And, and, yeah, three and a half games out of a playoff spot. Uh, the Bucks are 14 and 21. You know, they're they're five games out of a playoff spot. And then out, out west, you've got the the Rockets, 16 and 19 in the eighth seed. And then the Timberwolves are only, you know, three and a half games behind them at 12 and 22. So they're – Who would you guys – who would you say has been the uh, the most disappointing team this year? Um, I would say the Wizards. I'd say the Rockets. Well, yeah, I, those yeah, are actually the, the two. Those are the two I was thinking of. Actually. I mean, the Rockets. The Rockets were what? They the Rockets went to the Western Conference Finals, I right? Think. Yeah, and then they totally. I mean, Daryl Morey when he let the inmates run the asylum and fired Kevin McHale, I knew it was over. That team's turned out to be crazier than Sacramento, and that's pretty crazy. Yeah, it it has, and they're only a couple games ahead of Sacramento who Sacramento actually looks like they have some quality games in them. I mean, they just blew the doors off of uh, Phoenix last night, scored 142 points. I think. Although the, to be fair, the Lakers are, are about boat racing the, the Suns right now too. Yeah. yeah. The Lakers have been disappointing. I think the Bucks have been disappointing. No, the Lakers are the Lakers, unless they are the top three, losing his team in the league, they don't get their draft pick. I mean, this is all by design. Well, well they are. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the other disappointing team is Pelicans <laughs> at 11 and 22. Uh, yeah. 
they're very disappointing. But a lot of that is due to some significant injury problems early on. Yeah, but that's still very disappointing. If they were like 500, I'd be like, well, they've had injuries. But 11 and 22, I mean, yeah. it's really, really yeah. bad. Yeah, Anthony and, Davis is... And really Ryan Anderson's been pretty good, too. Yeah, and Anthony Davis, but he's had these clunker games, and then he'll score a 35-point game. Mm. It's... It's weird to see. Well, they just can't defend anyone. I think they're last in the league in defense. And, um, you know, I think they thought, well, we got a superstar defensive player in the making so they could surround him with guys that can't guard traffic cones. Yeah. I don't think it's worked out for him. Should have kept, uh, kept Monty Williams. Yeah. 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 So, so uh, I mean, here's a stat. The, the curse, the curse not, of Monty Williams. So, my point was there's not a lot of teams that want to break up their squads right now. Uh, when when they're that close to the playoffs, it, and and with the trade deadline only a month away, I, I don't know if you're going to see. But what it. about Philly? You think we could? I mean, they just waived Tony Roten, who was probably uh-huh. one of their best players last season. Yeah, I know he has been abysmal this year, but maybe they trade us Nerlens for Joe Joe Harris, Andy, and uh, Mo. <laughs> I, I heard a I heard a thing the other day that uh, Jalil Okafor's dad was behind. Philly's bench, like yelling at uh, Brett Brown the entire game the other day, and Okafor had to tell him to shut up. <laughs> wow, it's like, like wow, Le- LeBron telling his mom to sit her, you know what, down. <laughs> so anyway, uh, he shouldn't be yelling. Somebody, he shouldn't be yelling at Brett Brown. He should be yelling at Sam Hinkie. So anyway, the, the corollary on this is that a fan asked to take a picture with Okafor's dad, and his dad. Said he'd take the picture if he covered up his Sam Hinkie T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Wait, that is they, funny. wait a minute. They, he had a Sam Hinkie. The t-shirt. fan had a Sam Hinkie T-shirt that wanted to take a picture with Julio Okafor's dad. Was it like a team-sponsored apparel? You haven't seen that T-shirt? No, it, I guess oh, not. Yeah, it was on. It was the cover photo for our uh, Hinkie Letters column. That's, right. the, oh. that's the process. Trust trust process. Process. Yeah, just Google okay. Cavs a blog, the Hinky letters. It's the cover photo for that. So Okay. Yeah. So yeah, I mean well, the, the the Pistons are or the Sixers are a flaming dumpster fire. Uh right. As possibly the, the Bucks worst. have been pretty disappointing too. The Bucks have been very disappointing, but they've come on of late, but it seems like they can't have all their good players have a good game at the same time. Chris Middleton had a monster game the other night. After yeah, uh, he's he's he has a couple big games this year. Yeah, but, he's but they don't have a they don't have a point guard first six weeks. Yeah, and they don't have a point guard. I mean, that that Brandon Knight <laughs> trade killed them. They're yeah, a team yeah. that I would be very worried about going hard after Delhi, but I don't know if uh, I don't you know, know who they should. You know who they they should get, and they won't do this. But this would make too much sense. Is they should go after Brandon Jennings. <laughs> yeah, well, they Brandon Jennings doesn't want to go back to the box. No, but they could use him. They could use him. So, especially now that the kids there. But I mean, look, kids been out, and uh, what's it, Jared Bayless has been out. I mean, the, ever since Bayless went down, they've they've kind of yeah. they've really kind of gone south. Yeah. yeah, and they desperately, desperately need a point guard. Um, and there's just not enough point guards to go around in the NBA right now. There's a lot of them. So, so who are you guys more afraid okay. of? So Golden yeah, we State so well. Let me answer the the last question in terms of guys I'd like to add because it kind of plays into this. Oh, okay. Um, 
I feel like the Cavs could do with one more defensive swingman, a guy that can play the three or the four. Um, you know, like uh, Luke Mbaamute type guy, just yeah. a guy that can oh. lay lumber on guys. Alonzo G. Alonzo G. Oh, no, no, not tall enough. Somebody <laughs> can guard the four. Yeah. Uh, because you've got these teams like the, – so the two teams that scare me the most are the Bulls and the Heat because Jimmy Butler, 40 points in the second half the other night, uh, coming on looking like a real just stellar player. They Chris Dunleavy, uh, has he back yet or is he coming back? You mean Mike Dunleavy? Mike Dunleavy, yeah, him too. <laughs> yeah. He's not back know. yet. But he yet. is just a guy that has killed the Cavs the last several years. So he scares me. Um, so was that your question? Who scares you more? The, I, the bulls or the heat? Oh, I was talking, I said, who scares you more the, uh, Spurs or the warriors. But if you want to stick to, East well, I, I'm sticking, I'm sticking East first. Um, yeah, I would say the bulls. I, I don't know. It's hard to say the heat have a lot of these like X factor guys, but I feel like the bulls are a deeper team. Yeah. Um, and I think Jimmy Butler is the best player on either of those rosters. Yeah, he might be the second best player in the East right now. No way, they, man. No they way. Won, Have you they, seen what Paul George has been doing? Well, okay, that's true. Yeah, he's stuck in Indiana. I always forget that. But the Bulls beat the Raptors 115-113. to 113. The Bulls aren't yeah. going to win games with, without playing defense. And they've played not a, they, they've played, played nary a defensive game with Hoiberg as their coach. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I see your point there. So the team that scares me is still Miami. And one of the things is I've heard a big rumor that with Houston just being so terrible this year uh, and Dwight Howard having an opt-out uh, and Miami not wanting to pay Hassan Whiteside, that a Dwight Howard-Hassan Whiteside trade may be uh, something that happens before the deadline. Why does oh, that I, scare you? That I hope it happens. I, I hope, hope it happens, it happens. Too. <laughs> Yeah, you, you you're more scared of Whiteside. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But, Dwight Howard is just he's just too mercurial at this point in his career, and he's always getting injured. <laughs> Dwight yeah, Howard has Dwight Howard hasn't had a good that. year. Dwight Howard hasn't had a good year since pre since like pre 2011, I think. Okay. Yeah. Well, I I feel like he's one of those guys that might just slide into like Pat Riley would whisper in his ear and just make him the the guy he's always wanted to be. You know, I, I feel like he'd have the devil whispering in his ear down there and somehow it would all work. But it, I sort of feel like the right. team that you're, we're not talking about is the Pacers. I think I agree. Um, and they're a trade away. I mean, if they could find a way to get one more guy, that would be, um, that would be scary. And they're, they're they're playing D again, and and the way Paul George is playing right now. I I hate to sound Colesian, but I don't. None, nobody in the East scares me this year. I'm only worried about the finals. Yeah, I mean, compared to the Spurs and the Warriors, none of these teams can even no. hold a candle to them. They're all they're all junior league compared to those two teams. Yeah, uh, I I would agree with you. So so, eg, who scares you more, Warriors or Spurs? Actually, the Spurs do. Um, I think because they because they're so they're so deep, they're so defensive. I think I think the Cavs showed the blueprint on how to beat the Warriors last last playoffs, even though they didn't have the personnel to do it. 
I really firmly believe had they had the had they had those two guys healthy, they, it wouldn't have been it wouldn't have been a sweep. But I do think the Cavs would have won and would have won like four two or four three. I, I think Golden State plays a brand of ball that is is more defensible than what the Spurs play. It's hmm. an interesting okay. take, Tom. Well, I don't think. I think the Warriors are the best offensive team um, of like the last three decades. I don't know that you, I don't know that I would agree with EG that you can defend the Warriors. Although I would agree that the Cavs have defended the Warriors as well as anyone has over the last two years. Um, but the Spurs defensively right now, um, they have a defensive rating under ninety-five which no team has done that for a season since the Spurs did it in 2004. So that is 11 years ago. Um, And I'm not exactly sure how defensive rating, like if you need to adjust based on the era or whatever, I think it's a pace adjusted stat, but their defense has just been completely and totally smothering. And the thing is, other than Kawhi Leonard, I mean, you look at that team and you're thinking like, Really? Like the best defensive team in over a decade? I mean, isn't Tim Duncan like 100 years old? And LaMarcus Aldridge was never really known as a defensive big. Um, they lost Splitter, who was a pretty good defensive player. They're still trotting out, you know, Ginobili, Parker, um, you know, Patty Mills, uh, you know, guys well, that are... Uh, but, part of but, it, though, is you say, well, pass Kawhi Leonard. Well, you well, but here, here's pass my, Kawhi you Leonard. Me, you he is that freaking point. good. Well, and here's the other thing. Danny Green is freaking good at defense, yeah. too. So they've got these just two absolute havoc creators on defense. Yes. I mean, Leonard and, and Danny Green can lock down any two wings in the NBA right now. And honestly, to go back to our question earlier about is Shump the best in the league at stripping, Danny Green might be the best at that. I have never seen a guy – during fast break situations when it's like two on one, three on one, where he's the lone guy back, how many times he turns that the other way. I mean, just remarkable defensive player. And I would say, so I would answer the question by saying if both teams are completely healthy, I would be more afraid of the Spurs. But right now I feel like the Spurs are more injury prone than the Warriors. If you ask me right now, which team am I more afraid of? It's the Warriors because I saw saw what happened last year when like Tony Parker got gimpy, their offense just, just, it just didn't fall apart, but it just, it wasn't otherworldly without him. How about when Steph Curry gets gimpy? All I'm saying is like, look, the Spurs right now, weirdly, are a lot healthier than Golden State is. They are right now. and, And if, and if you have, and for those of you who haven't noticed, the Spurs for the for as as much as the Warriors were like quote unquote running away with the West with their you know twenty five game or twenty six game winning streak and their you know thirty their their record the Spurs are only three games back. Spurs well, are twenty nine and six. Yeah, and the Spurs their simple rating system is twelve, and the Warriors is like ten and a half. So yeah. they are the outliers right now of the entire league, and really. A bunch of those losses they had, um, you know, were by like two points. I mean, they've got a three-point loss to Chicago. They've got a three-point loss to Toronto. They've got a four-point loss to Houston last week. 
They got a three-point loss to Washington. I mean, that's like four of their six losses are four points or less. So they've been just remarkable this year. And it's, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been Leonard. I mean, Aldridge is buying in now and he's looked really good. Yeah. Danny Green, I just, I just still can't believe we just cut him. That's just like, it just blows my mind because he was such a good player. Yeah, but I'll say, I'll say this. I think, I think the Spurs were, and I was at the game, the Spurs were one Chris Paul miracle shot away from probably being the team that faced Golden State in the yeah. Western Conference Finals last yeah. year. Yeah, and that could have yeah. been a much different outcome. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and let's talk about one of the, one of the things that no one is talking about is that Kawhi Leonard's a legit MVP candidate. He's right now in the conversation with LeBron and Steph Curry and Kevin Durant. I mean, he is scoring a ridiculous 20 points a game on 62% true shooting. Yeah, that's that's insane. That is that is great that's great numbers for a single game to do that over the course of a half a season is is otherworldly. His his offensive rating is 124 and his defensive rating is 91 right now. I mean, yeah. and and I know you're not a huge fan of defensive rating, but just in terms of just raw numbers, that is staggering how good he is. And he's been he's been great. I I just don't know that you can give it to anyone other than Steph Curry at this point. If you wanted to give it to somebody else though, he would be the guy. I mean, he's having the second best season. I, I agree. I, 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 I think he is having the second best season. I agree with you, but I think yeah. Curry's been the best. No, 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 and, and that's how otherworldly Curry has been too. I yeah. mean, thirty points a game with what he's doing is, it's we haven't seen anything like that since you know the early eighties, late seventies when nobody played defense. Well, and Russell, Curry's Russell, and Curry's, well, Curry's more valuable to his team too. Yeah, I wouldn't say that's true. I don't know. Look at look at how they, look how they played. Mean, look at how they played. Uh, you know the the, the two nights he was out. I think their whole yeah, offense. Yeah, but the, the Warriors are still winning too. <laughs> they lost. They lost. They lost to, to Dallas, and then they and then they had to didn't they have to go to no they they beat the Rockets, but then they had to go to it overtime. Just, it was they had to go overtime against uh, Denver. Denver. Yeah. yeah. I mean that's because Steph only played like five minutes or ten minutes that yeah. game because. Hurt his shin again. But a win is a win is a win. I know, but I'm just saying, I think Steph, to what the the system they run, they can't run the same system in Golden State. No, without no, Steph. they can't. Uh, I mean, in the same way that the, the, Spurs, the Spurs could sit Kawhi and still, you know, I'd say most teams in the NBA on a night, on a given night. So, hey, uh, Nate. Yeah. Number 20 in the league in blocks is Mark Gasol. Take a gander how many blocks he has this year. Just throw out out a number. 32. A little bit higher, 43. Okay. Number 10 is Roy Hibbert. How many blocks do you think he has? Uh, 32. (laughs) Wait, how would he be lower? Oh, higher. Sorry, 51. 58. Okay. Number number two is DeAndre Jordan. How many blocks do you think he has? 64. 81. Okay. Num- number one <laughs> is Hassan Whiteside. How many blocks do you think he has? So we've 105. Gone, we've gone 43 at 20, 58 at 10, and now we're at 81 at 2. So you kind of get the sense of this distribution. So you think Hassan Whiteside, you, you jump a whole 20 to 105. Okay. 
Is that, is that your guess? So you, you think that the Heat are going to pay him? No, no, no. I, stop. Just answer my questions. <laughs> I, have, so, I have no idea what you're talking about now. <laughs> all right, so you, you guessed. You made me guess you, too much. <laughs> you guessed that Hassan Whiteside has 105 blocks on the year, which would yeah. be like making him a huge outlier if number two is 81, correct? Oh, yes. He's actually got 126 blocks. Okay, there you go. Just think about that in your head. 126 was- is number one. <laughs> 81 is number two. And 43 is number 20. Okay, so what's your point? That he is such an outlier, it's stupid. Well, the <laughs> fact that you also didn't mention that Dwight Howard is at 12 with 48 blocks. Yeah. So I would if, rather. I'm saying if you're if you're gonna have yeah no I, I, I see where you're going. It's just something I read, something I'm throwing out there. But so do you think you think Hassan gets paid by the Heat in the offseason? I don't think they. Can I gotta think it. with those numbers, it's it's gonna happen. Can they afford to pay him? Well, yeah, he's their own free agent. It's just how much luxury tax do they want to pay? Well, I mean, coming from Mickey Arison, the guy that would didn't want to pay yeah. Mike, Miller Mike Miller money, I. I, I think they'll find a way to pay him. I mean, they've got guys who are on contracts that they can move, um, especially when next year's salary cap booms. So, so Why don't the Cavs just uh, – can the Cavs pick up Tony Roten at, like, the league minimum? Uh, they would have to cut Jared Cunningham. Oh, they couldn't cut uh... – they couldn't cut Joe Harris. They would have to pay Joe Harris's salary out for the rest of the season. It would, and the luxury tax would be about four million. So they'd be paying five million plus another probably three million to Tony Roten just to say. And what do they need? What do they need Tony Roten for? Like, what does he give them? Well, he's a big guard, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I'm reading. I'm reading here that the Knicks are interested in Tony Roten. Okay. Yeah. I mean, he'll land somewhere. He's only. No, I, I don't see Tony Roten as a guy that moves the needle one iota for the Cavs. Okay. Uh, a guy that I would be more interested in, especially if we saw an injury, uh, knock on wood, would be a Kevin Martin from the Wolves, who's, who's yeah. a knockdown shooter. Not a great defender, but a knockdown a terrible shooter. Terrible defender. Well, you, you take the good with the bad. You know, the Cavs I mean, don't have a lot like of a, pass- the he's a taller Mo, Mo Williams, right? Well, he's he's kind of oh, who who was it? They had the one year, uh, oh, played for Miami of Ohio. Oh, you know who I'm talking about the beefcake, Zerbiak. Zerbiak. He's kind of <laughs> a skinny version of Zerbiak late in his career. You know, he just all okay. he does is sit out there and, and hit open threes. Okay. Can defend. I don't know. So I, I I think this podcast getting a little uh getting a little long in the long in the tooth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you know I was gonna say that? <laughs> yeah. So uh any uh thing any New Year's resolutions, gentlemen, that you care to share? No, I like I said, New Year's is just another day. I don't believe in New Year's resolutions. You believe in, in resolutions. Well, I just think you need, if you're going to make a real lasting change, it has to be gradual. So do it the week before New Year's to prove that you can do it. Don't don't wait to an arbitrary day to say, I used to work at a gym. And so <laughs> it was very predictable. 
uh, membership would balloon in January. How about how about how about Cavs related? No, no, no. I want to hear the rest of this. Okay, fine, fine. (laughs) No, it was just it was very predictable. You know, it's like all these people. When would would attendance drop off? February, mid February. Yep, mid February. Mid February. So they'd make it about six weeks. So. See, I like yeah. to hibernate for the whole winter and then just kind of start coming out of my shell at the beginning of March. So yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm like a groundhog. <laughs> but what about you, EG? Any New Year's resolutions? Um, well, I, I think, I think uh, I'm resolved to try to find ways to spend more quality time with my family this year. Oh, which, who wants that? No, I'm kidding. No, no. But, like, but, but also um, – I think I'm from a Cavs perspective. I'm gonna make a resolution to to not really worry about much of anything until the playoffs. That's good because I think I get. I think you know we all we're all guilty of this. We get it's so wrapped up in the game to game, game to game to game. What's happening now? And like I didn't even know about the Mo Williams stuff honestly because I missed the yeah. game. I just watched the game on DVR and I yeah. And it's just noise. It's just something for us. Oh, to for talk sure. About. But but that's just it. Yeah. Like I I I found last year I was so like tuned into like every little thing that happened and, and blowing it up in my, in my own mind and, you know, getting into debates with people like Coles on, you know, on the, on the threads about like, you know, well, shouldn't they be worried about this team and that team and the other team? Honestly, I, I think you spend a lot of time worrying about a lot of stuff that in the end doesn't really matter. I think, I think as long as they get to the postseason healthy, uh, they've got, they've got as good of a chance as, as anybody and probably a better chance than, than all, but, but one, you know, one team from the West. So um, I think, I think I'm going to try to resolve to be a little more even keeled when it comes to that. That's That's a a good resolution. Uh, My resolution is to write more. So uh, there you go. That's good. More content on the blog from me and, uh, and maybe, uh, maybe some other stuff going forward. So, so that's my resolution. And, and, uh, yeah. So, anything you want to pitch uh, before we wrap up the podcast uh, for 2016, EG or uh, Tom? Pitch. Um, well, <laughs> what do I want to pitch? Well, I, I'll tell. What are you thinking about it? I've uh, been playing a lot of Fallout 4, which kind of goes against. Oh, uh, okay. How I love you like that. It? Have you played it? Yeah, I love it. Yeah, it's a really good game. Fallout Three is my favorite game of all time. So mine too. Really? Oh yeah, I love that game. Do you guys uh, play it on a console or a uh, console like leaders? Oh, I gotta yeah. send you the pictures. I got my laptop hooked up like a console. Oh, I get well, on the big should, screen. You, know, you can you can mod the game, right? Oh, absolutely. I'm oh, amongst yeah. the weenies. I, I just You're play on my PS4. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I I do not have a next gen console, so. Ah, uh, okay. Well, then I'll pitch Micro Center. Go to Micro Center and beef up your PC so that you can mod the heck out of it. Put 4K textures all over that Fallout 3 game. <laughs> oh, there you go. Um, so I've, been playing, I've been playing Rocket League a You've lot. You've still been playing Rocket League? Are you, oh, are you a master of Rocket League? Like I'm to the point where I now follow random people on Twitter that are like Rocket League experts. <laughs> um, and I, I spend a lot of time watching YouTube videos of like crazy Rocket League matches. Are you are you gonna join the Rocket League uh professional circuit? Dude, I am like nowhere near. Oh no. No, I am nowhere near that good. 
Do you Tom, have- I've been monitoring your Twitter feed, and I'm not seeing anything about Rocket League on your Twitter. You I'm haven't not been tweeting. I haven't, Rocket League. I haven't been tweeting much lately. Or do you, you have your own that out Rocket there. League Twitter account? No, I don't. No, I don't. No. <laughs> like Rocket Tom. <laughs> Yeah. It is it is kind of stupid, like, how many hours I've put into that game. And yet, like, if you were to compare me to, like, a top probably 50 player in the world, it wouldn't even, it wouldn't even be close. Like, it would be such a waxing. And, like, I've, I've put way more hours in that game than I'm even comfortable admitting in this podcast. So I'm just going to refrain from that. But, yeah, like, I mean, there's this guy – his name is like Pashy. It's like P A S C H Y 90. Pashy 90. Just go on YouTube and look up like Pashy 90 Rocket League montage. And you might not be impressed, but if you play the game for a couple days and you get the feel for it and then you watch that video, you'll just be like, oh my gosh, this guy is like the god of Rocket League. Like what he does is just stupid. He's the LeBron just, of Rocket League. No, no, no. He's not the LeBron. He's like the. He is like I don't even way more dominant than that. <laughs> way more dominant than that. Wow, who's the most I dominant? I, he's, I like, he's the Will Chamberlain of Rocket League. He's like the Will Chamberlain in high school of Rocket League. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yes. <laughs> Pretty so, uh, And actually, he might not even be number one in the world. So maybe that is a bad. But I think he's the best player in the world by far, just based on what I've seen. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Yeah. See, every one of these podcasts, I get a little glimpse in into the life of Tom Pestag, and it it's just more fascinating with each with each episode. So stay tuned for the next one, everybody. And as always, go Cavs! Go Cavs! Go Cavs! Tony is like copied. Uh, uh, every team what's his has, name? has a hideous like George George Hill. With the, oh, the early insane Justin Timberlake haircut is just is just hideous. Yeah. Um, whatever Jeremy Lin is wearing on his head is horrible. He spikes his hair straight up. Yeah, now, like right? we all thought the Cavs had bad hair to start the season with that that Kevin Love thing, and his is tame compared to yeah, yeah very tame. No, his, I don't I don't get this whole Hitler hairdo that that uh, Hazonia and and the dude from the Jazz. Oh, uh, Brett uh, Hayward. Yeah, I mean, it's like the same thing. It's this weird, like, shade oh on one side, but, like, with a Oh, my gosh. Phoenix mop. has 36 points, and they're more than halfway through the third quarter. Yeah, I'm watching. They it's might not score awful. 50. They might not score 50. They're an awful yeah, team. They, they are in full-on quit mode on uh, on Jeff Hornacek. And wow. I'm, I'm at this point, you just got to put the guy out of his misery. Yeah. Although, can we agree that Robert Sarver may be the worst owner in the NBA right now? He's been the worst owner for a while, though, I think. Well, I mean, there was Donald Sterling, which... That's true. Well, he's a he's not a racist, <laughs> I guess, but... No, I mean, he was just the worst in pro sports. But remember, uh, like, it was he like... He was the, given like the, cover to so many NBA owners. But wasn't it like, was like the, like the late... To like 2008 or nine, where when he had all those, like, those, he just t- kept taking guards and, like... You know, and, and like not really knowing what to do with it, they were just running like the. Uh, it yeah. worked when D'Antoni was a coach, but then like then it made no sense when the new regime took over. And just, yeah, well, and then like he didn't want Steve Kerr to continue as GM, and yeah, which was goofy as well. I mean, that uh, right now is looking like a really dumb decision. Kerr's um, coming back Monday, supposedly. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, good for him. I mean, 
you, you, you hate to see somebody like that. Uh, <laughs> he, he's a class guy and you don't want yeah. anybody to get hurt. So no, I like Steve Kerr. I don't yeah. have any. I think Kerr. everyone likes Steve Kerr. He's a very likable guy. I just hate his team. Yeah. yeah. And I like I Luke Walton. That. That's the funny thing. I mean, Luke Walton. Yeah. Uh, who's he going to be coaching next year? Cause you know, that's he's a good question. The Lakers. Yeah, the Lakers. The Lakers. I don't think so. I think Luke Walton wants to go to a contender. Oh, I don't think so. The Lakers job. Are you the Lakers are going to get oh, Ben. Yeah, the Lakers are going to get Ben Simmons. The Lakers job is the best coaching job in NBA. Really? Yep. I, they'll I, give, Luke, I would they'll say give so. Luke a lot. They'll give Luke a lot of rope in LA too. Yeah. Well, I would say it's the second best after the Spurs job. Well, there is no Spurs job because you, you think he's going to retire, Popovich? I don't know. No, I don't mean I it think, that way. I just mean he's made it the best job. He's assembled the best roster. I wouldn't yeah. be surprised. And the owner gives him the most free reign. I wouldn't be surprised if Popovich sticks around for the and makes Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green, um, and Lamarcus Aldridge the new big three, and he hangs around for another five or six years. I, I I'd be interested to see if they can find another point guard after Parker retires. That that'll be the the challenge for him. Yeah, yeah. it will be. That will be. The know, oh, you know who would be perfect? Nelly. The guy. <laughs> no, the guy. No, the guy I'm watching right now, Jordan Clarkson. Yeah, Jordan uh-huh. Clarkson would be good. But I think Delhi would be a really nice Popovich point guard. He would be. Although I don't know if he can hit the. Well, I guess he's been hitting the three pretty well this year. I was yeah. gonna say I don't know if he's he can hit the I mean, three yeah, enough. Yeah, bad shooting games, but it wasn't. Like he's had some really good shooting games too, but yeah. I think I, I always I guess I always feel like the guys that they have play the point in in the San Antonio system need to be able to drive the ball too, like yeah. get to the get to the yeah. rack, and that's but not Delhi's strength. Yeah. That's no. true. That's true. But whereas I, I think Joe Clarkson's fantastic at that. What's that? Patty Mills isn't fantastic at that. No, but, but he's that's why backup. I don't think he's. But he's not yeah. the guy. He's not the heir apparent either. Yeah. No. Yeah. All right, guys, this was a lot of fun, but I got to run. Okay. Thank you for listening to Cavs the Blogs podcast. Check back soon for some more fun with your favorite blogger. There's a fire. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.